to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast edition. As always on Thursdays, we bring in one of my best friends, um, both in and out of the business, Dwayne Generalismo Patterson of the Hugh Hewitt Show, Master of the Universe, H-U-G-H-N-I-B-E-R-S-E.com, the troll-free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt fans and listeners and for Dwayne fans and listeners because Dwayne has the after shows in the evenings in the universe. And I was just there last night uh, for what, about an hour, hour and a quarter, something like that, Dwayne? Uh, about that fans, Dwayne fans? Dwayne fans. Uh, fans. Uh, boy, that always makes me nervous when I hear Dwayne's fans. It's, it's more like uh, Dwayne's tolerance. Uh, you know, the, 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 the people that tolerate Dwayne—that's not true. You've got actually—you've got a a solid group of loyal fans, viewers, listeners in the after shows. I, I interact with them all the time. They're great, and some of them are also uh, fans of this show. So, welcome to everybody who's in both camps there. But Indeed. you know, we we always say if I do your show on Wednesday night, we always say what are we going to talk about tomorrow? And we say well, probably a lot of the same stuff. And as it turns out, it almost never works out that way because um, stuff happens. Even overnight stuff happens. And this morning, I think the big bombshell this morning, Dwayne, is NBC News has a big scoop. Did you know that Hunter Biden left a laptop in uh, <laughs> in a computer repair store and that the laptop has some really damning information about it's, how Biden made his money? <laughs> it's criminal. I mean, it, it, it is actually absolutely criminal that NBC News today, all of a sudden, in a scoop. Well, they don't say scoop. I, I To be fair, they don't say scoop. <laughs> they don't, but... I mean, clearly this it's is a, being it's being perceived by the bubble as a scoop. Yeah. This is all and stuff that's been reported 19 months for, ago for a year and a half. We've yeah. been talk, or, or been trying to get somebody to talk about this crap. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 the thing that is, is supposed to that's most Dwayne, Dwayne, about Dwayne, this, Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne. This is a what? major development. NBC News is reporting it. It's a major development. It wasn't a major development before before NBC News was reporting it. You know, you know what is is truly fantastic about this is, of course, one of the things that they talk about in this in this expose of stuff that we've been trying to get onto major media for a year and a half was the fact that Hunter Biden made a ton of money off of the Chicoms on an Air Force Two trip with pops right right yes and this well, that's not even the, that's not even the biggest deal apparently that that, that they discovered i, I, on I this. understand but but that's but that's that's part of this this uh this this not scoop that nbc news is not trying to claim it's not doing but the fact that we now know officially that hunter biden went to china and came back from an Asia trip with Pops with $1.2 billion on the day that Joe Biden hops on the big plane and goes to Asia for a foreign policy trip. Right. It is interesting. The juxtaposition juxtaposition is interesting. Is Hunter on the plane is what I want to know. It's a good question. Although I think that probably Hunter Biden isn't within 10 miles of the White House at any time right now. Do you think Ron Klain, do you you think Ron, he's going to Delaware. (laughs) Ron Klain, if Ron Klain has any competence at all whatsoever, 
the only place that Hunter gets to see Dad is in Delaware, and he and and Dad is in Delaware an awful lot. So it's not it's not as though he doesn't have his opportunities. Well, that's true. He's 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 at Delaware every other weekend, right? Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about what's actually in this expose because I mean it's actually. Uh, there's there's some actual you know good reporting here. It's not original reporting. <laughs> they should no. really they should really have licensed the story from the New York Post. Um, but uh, from 2013 to 2018, Hunter Biden and his company brought in about 11 million dollars via his roles as attorney and a board member with the Ukrainian firm accused of bribery and his work with a Chinese businessman now accused of fraud, according to an NBC News analysis of a copy of Biden's hard drive and iCloud account and documents released by Republicans on two Senate committees. Um, the documents and analysis, which don't show what he did to earn millions from his Chinese partners, raise questions about national security, business ethics, and potential legal exposure. Yeah, you know when they also raised those questions? October of 2020, when the New York Post was reporting on the exact same damn thing. Right. In December of 2020, Biden acknowledged in a statement that he was the subject of a federal investigation into his taxes. NBC News was first to report that an ex-business partner had warned Biden that he should amend his tax returns to disclose $400,000 in income from the Ukrainian firm. Wait for it. I bet you can guess at home, if you're playing along, what Ukrainian firm may be talked about here. Could it be Burisma? Yeah, I was going to say it rhymes with Shmurisma. And yes. just, in case you're, just in case you're wondering, it rhymes with Shmurisma. Um, yes. But you know, in the, the, the in case you want, in case you wanted to know why we're having problems with gas prices here, why we are having problems with um, you know na uh, natural gas exports and fracking and and all sorts of energy related uh, crises facing the American economy, when we've got two people, not just Hunter Biden, who is a paid expert, but Joe Biden as pops, who basically got him that job. Uh, because of his last name, we have two people that are energy experts because of their work with Burisma. And actually, that's not the story. I mean, it's in the story. Burisma is in the story. We're going to hear about Burisma. But Bur know, Burisma is not really the story. No, I mean, I'm, I'm serious about this. What's What the story is, is China. <laughs> because as it turns out, Joe, B or, excuse me, Hunter Biden's it's hard to distinguish between the two, right? Uh, Hunter Biden's partner was a fellow named um, Yi Jianming. Okay, not Yi, not Yi West, by the way. This is not this is not Kanye. This is Yi Jianming. He ran an outfit called CEFC, and is now actually apparently in prison or some sort of a home detention because he fell out of favor in China after all sorts of different corruption came to light. This is a guy who was shy, right? Paid just shy of five million dollars to a company called Owasco, which is run by Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. So who is uh, Yi Jianming? Well, in 2018, when Yi Jianming actually uh, fell out of favor and got arrested, but and all that kind of stuff, they called him the Belt and Road Billionaire. <laughs> because he was very closely tied into Xi Jinping's Belt and Road Initiative, which is the uh, Chinese government's way of trying to insinuate its uh, influence and strength into, into other countries by providing them infrastructure and then seizing sovereignty 
over what it is that they build. Now, Belt and Road Initiative, you have to have known what the Belt and Road Initiative is to understand the, the importance of this connection. But you have Hunter Biden basically profiting off of the Belt and Road Initiative, which is calculated against American power. He's probably not the only American who's profiting off of this because we're Americans. That's what we do. We, you know, what was the old line uh, that the capitalists will sell you the rope that we use to hang them? I think that was yes. Lenin that said that, right? Yes. Well, there's some truth to that. <laughs> this is one example of it. Uh, but you've got Hunter Biden in bed with the Belt and Road Initiative at the same time that Joe Biden saying, oh, you know, China's not our competitors. You know, come on, guys. Come China's, on. China, yeah, yeah. China, China's not eating our lunch. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Look, this is a very long article. It is a detailed article. It is a it is a well-reported article. It is not a complete article because if it were a complete article, it would have something in there about how NBC News, for full disclosure, took a pass on this story until Joe Biden became president because we didn't want the other guy. But, but you know, I, I, I digress. They're certainly not going to do that and be transparent and honest about it. But that's why they took a pass on the story to begin with. But a after all the detailed reportage in this story, you can basically sum it down to the, the takeaway tweet. And the takeaway tweet is, well, it looks like Joe Biden and his son are grifting crooks after all. Because that's that's what this is, right? Right. right. And I mean, and as I say, I mean, I have a post that by the time this podcast goes up in the afternoon, it'll have been up for a little bit. As I say at the end of this post, the real story here is corruption, and it's not just the it's not just the Bidens, but it's the national media corruption. Do you remember who it was that identified this as Russian disinformation and uh, helped that would social media? That would be the 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 recently deposed disinformation czar. The recently deposed disinformation czar, Nina Jankowitz, repeatedly asserted that this was Russian disinformation. This was nonsense, right. And, and that it kept, so that the social media platforms would block the report, would block the dissemination of the reporting that the New York Post was doing to the point where the New York Post itself was blocked on Twitter because they wouldn't, they wouldn't delete their tweets about this. Um, people who, who provided, um, uh, corroboration for the New York Post report were blocked on social media. People who wanted to just discuss the report were blocked on social media, had their posts taken down or suspended. Um, and Nina Jankowitz was one of the people that was behind that. Uh, and then you had, of course, the national media itself, which insisted that this was nothing more than a political dirty trick, said, well, you know, this is coming through Rudy Giuliani, so obviously it's it's nonsense. They didn't bother to look into it or to even acknowledge the fact that people who were emailing, <laughs> who were on those emails, were coming forward and saying, no, that's legit. <laughs> I mean, those are real emails. I was part of it. I can tell you that those were real emails. I can't think of the guy who was working with Biden, Hunter Biden at the time, who held a press conference to say this. And right. Nobody covered it except for Fox News, New York Post, and some of us bloggers. Now I'm going. If if you'll let me, uh, if you'll let me share a video. Oh, um, you you want me to actually do my job correctly? Well, not necessarily. <laughs> because, you know, why why confuse me and start now? Why do yeah? Why do some? Why why make that kind of a change? Okay, you should be able to share it. <laughs> okay, so what I wanna what I wanna share now is 
again, this is NBC News reporting this, right? Now, how long do you, you saw the length of this story, right? Uh, yes, it's a fairly how, long and detailed story. Yes. How long do you think it took them to write that story? How long? How long was Tom Winter at all in, in, in all of his uh, uh, co byline uh, people at NBC News? How how long did it take him to actually draft, go through the editing process, and 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 drop this story? Take, Nineteen take Nineteen months. <laughs> I mean, okay. honestly, nineteen no, months, right? I understand that because well, they they copy pasted from the right. post, right? Right. But I'm just saying, how long did it take NBC News to do this story? Oh, probably three or four Realist days. Three Real realistically, three or four days, probably. That's what I'm getting at. Three to four days, right? Right. Who's the managing editor of NBC News? Chuck Todd. So would Chuck Todd have known about this story in the works? Should have. He should have, shouldn't he? I would assume that he would know if he's the if he's truly managing editor. Sometimes those titles just get assigned to people, uh, you know, on the basis of I, on the basis of their celebrity. So but, if but he's my, truly a managing editor, yeah, but, he should but know my about it. My question is: Is do you think Chuck Todd two days ago knew about this story in the works? I would guess so. I wouldn't okay. necessarily swear to it, but I would I would assume that he would know that that's Wild at least percolating. The that's what we right. do here, right? Right. Yes. Here's here's Chuck Todd two days ago. Well, Garrett, look at the way the right tried to weaponize the idea that the, the DHS was going to essentially try and attempt to, to monitor hateful rhetoric, right? right. They, they want to make it seem as if it's some sort of big brother. And it's like, this is always what the right does to appease the white supremacist movement by saying, hey, free speech. Don't touch uh, speech. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, the Ministry of Disinformation, they called Um. <laughs> Now, you and I both like personally Chuck Todd. I like him personally. He's a very likable guy. Yes. And he's, and, 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 and to be fair, he has been, uh, you know, generous to me, brought me on to his show a couple Understand. times to discuss my book. Understand. Didn't need to do that. Had no, had no requirement to do it. Did it anyway. He, he, he was, he was always good to Hugh when Hugh was, uh, you know, uh, yeah. with his relationship with NBC News. Nothing. Nothing personal against Chuck Todd, except that you got to be freaking kidding me. Yeah. I mean, first off, if you think that free speech is only a, a, a dog whistle for white supremacy, I mean, that's absolutely absurd. He works in a he works in a First Amendment uh, arena. Uh, again, <laughs> right. Do you, do you think that he is aware of what the rap on Nina Jankowitz is and what she tried to claim the Hunter Biden story was all about. Do you, you think he's totally unaware of, of, of all that? I, I would be surprised if he was unaware. I would be, right. I would be surprised if, if for no other reason. So he knows, so he knows that story's cooking and right. he knows that Nina Jankowitz uh, tried to, tried to disinformation and shit can that story when it uh, turned out to be true after all. Yep. And he knows that his own news network is working on a bombshell on that same story. And he tries to spin the the destruction of the disinformation board in Nina Jankowitz as a right wing attempt to, to appease a white supremacist. That's assuming, you know, yes. I mean, it's it's assuming that's, that he knew about it. That's that's, that's pretty actually, cynical. That's pretty cynical. Actually, that's actually kind of not a real honest way to handle. And, and and also, 
let's not forget that it wasn't just the white supremacists and conservatives that were complaining about Nina Jankowicz. It was the freaking nation. The nation, which had nothing to do with the Hunter Biden laptop story, by the way. Right. Was 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 complaining that Nina Jankowicz was running cover for uh, the Ukrainian government by covering right. up the um, the uh, provenance of some of the military organizations that under under Zelensky's military, right. including and the Azov Regiment, which which really does have some some problems. It's got some issues, and we're not talking right. about that because they're fighting for their lives there, but. Yeah. And Ed Morrissey, for our audience, uh, just I want you to run down the entire roster and, and list of uh, conservative writers for the nation. Go ahead. Um, okay. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. <clears throat> okay, that's it. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, I, I mean, I, I've known a couple of the people over at, at the nation. John Nichols, for instance, is a, is a very nice man. I don't know if he's still there or not. Uh, he's a very nice man. He was a novelist. He, he, he's been a, a longtime writer for the for the nation. I, How many I, Republicans do you think he voted for? Zero in his That's entire life. Not. I'm not That's even sure he votes not. for Democrats. <laughs> Frankly, I think he votes for Greens. But yeah. um, I mean, I don't know. John, though, is a, is a very nice man. The nation does do some very interesting work. It's worth reading from time to time. If for no other reason to take the temperature of the left, apparently nobody bothered to do that when it came to Nina Jankowicz, though. And this idea that somehow that Taylor Lorenz, I mean, that that Washington Post article, we talked about this last night, that Washington oh, yeah. Post article about uh, that, that they that they allowed Taylor Lorenz to write as a news story um, was just atrocious under, under the banner of democracy dies in darkness. democracy dies in darkness. How dare you question our our governmental overlords? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. really what this article <laughs> came down yeah. to is like well she was harassed she was criticized she was she was uh abused she was a crank she was and is <laughs> she, a crank she was a crank that worked in the government and the criticisms were about not just her but the entire idea that the government should have a disinformation governance board which yes. which is a ludicrous thing and again we talked about jack schaefer's I, column about this I'm in late glad, april it's hilarious i'm glad it's gone i'm glad yeah. he's gone Piss on its grave, salt the earth where it grew. Let's make sure nothing like that ever happens again in any administration, left or right. Right, right. So to get back to uh, the Hunter Biden uh, scoop, I, I, I find it interesting in another sense. And I'm not saying that there was any sort of coordination here. Um, but I don't know if you had a chance yet to see um, The Hill talking this morning, or not talking, but writing. Amy Parnes, who's a very good journalist. Um, Love she, Amy Parnes. Amy Parnes is great. Um, she wrote that really good book about the Clinton campaign in 2016. I think she wrote something about 2020, too. It was with uh, Jonathan Allen, I think the, yep. the Clinton book was. Um, and I like Jonathan Allen, too. John Allen and, and Amy Parnes are very good. And I, I think it's Kelly Trudeau. Um was the name of the um, co-author of the piece this morning about whether Joe Biden, the big question in the beltway, everybody's asking it, will Joe Biden run in 2024? <laughs> if the, if, if the media starts doing some honest reporting, it might be more difficult, but honestly, <laughs> what are the options? There are no other options for the democratic party. There, I mean, there really isn't. You've got a bunch of progressive boomer retreads, you got Pete Buttigieg, who hasn't done anything except fumble the supply chain crisis. And you've got a whole series of hard left governors, not even a, a small series, 
of hard left governors in the Democratic field who don't stand a chance in a national election. I mean, I'm not sure actually how many people would even want to get in at this point because, you know, the writings right. on the wall, they're going to get smashed. Right. Right. So go ahead and throw Joe Biden to the wolves once and for all. Take your beating and let him at least not taint everybody else as being a loser. Um, on the other hand, you may have somebody like a Beto O'Rourke, or you may have somebody like a Gavin Newsom. You may have somebody who has deluded themselves uh, in, into thinking, you know, I'll take one for the team and I'll take the loss, but that will prime me and I'll have nationwide, I, you know, uh, 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 name value and, and I'll, be the, I'll be the heir apparent in four years. That's that's the kind of thing you'll see. But to the rest of the of, of the I mean, it, crying out loud, if you look at how the House Democrats are looking at the midterms alone, um, nobody's really wanting to uh, um, get get very much in the way of the 2024 race at this point, because they know it's already a lost cause. Well, <clears throat> I mean, if, if you take a look at the situation, I think the only analog to this on the Democratic side anyway, would be Ted Kennedy's challenge to Jimmy Carter in 1979-1980, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's Carter 1980, right? Right, and and so I wrote about that this morning. There was two, there are two, first off, the the parallels are you have uh, inflation running away, you've got stagflation, you've got a general malaise, which kind of translated into that malaise speech that Jimmy Carter gave. and you have a but Carter a, wasn't but Carter wasn't a hundred years old and perceived to be um, you know feeble and and infirm you know he he was perceived to be kind of a nice enough guy but just kind of in over his head Joe Biden's in over his head but he's in you know he's incompetent feeble and 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 perceived to be uh, Alzheimer's candidate right right but even so. You had actually in that race, you had somebody who was an established figure in the party who at least had the standing to challenge for presidency. He had been groomed for the presidency. And in fact, if it hadn't been for Chappaquiddick, he might have knocked Jimmy Carter out of the nomination. That and the fact that he couldn't articulate why he wanted to run for president in the first place. Uh, Ted Kennedy, right? Ted Kennedy was, you know, for all the things that we say about Ted Kennedy in the Democratic Party, he was... The last link to Camelot, the last link to the grand old days. Plus, he was also the progressive lion in uh, in the in the in the Democratic Party. He was the guy that you right. know all of Bobby Kennedy's supporters would rally around that sort of thing, and and it almost worked. I mean, he actually it was a it was a significant challenge to Carter in that in that primary. Um, you want to know what the power move would be? Because you said that you know they have no bench. They, well, I was going to say. Bench. I mean, just before you get to that, my 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 point here is that. There isn't anybody like that in the Democratic Party. They don't have that because they've excluded everybody who might have the, you know, might come from the other wing of the party. In this case, it's reversed. Biden is clearly aligned with the progressives. So they need somebody to come out of, you know, outside of Washington who can talk about the, um, who can talk to rural voters, talk to suburban voters, be more moderate. And they don't have anybody. It's, I, there's one person I would suggest, but, but you go with your point first, and I'll get back to that. Now, you see, you're going to laugh at this, um, but the guy, the, 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 the guy to, to take on Joe Biden in a primary just to try to save the party from itself like he's done for the last 
two years is Joe Manchin. That's actually not a bad choice. I think would about, say. Yeah, think a bit. Think about it. Think, yeah, no, think it that, I didn't, and I didn't consider that when I was writing that post. I didn't because I was really looking outside of Washington. I was going guy, back to to the DLC. The, you know, the guy to roll the dice and say, "Look, I'm trying to save the party from the crazies on our side, and have it out once and for all." If you if 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 you want the crazies to go, uh, then then you better go for Joe Biden and let the crazies go for Joe Biden. I'm appealing to everybody that's looking around saying, what the hell has happened to the Democratic Party? You're with me. I would say that he would get a grand total of about uh, 25 delegates. Honestly, as much as that appeals to me, ideologically, he's not the right guy. It, it might, because, because he's already sort of soured the, you know, he's already sort of... Uh, he, he's 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 a done deal inside the Democratic Party. My oh, suggestion I, was Andy Bashir um, well, out of Kentucky. Except, no, well, yeah, except I that, get that but... except that nobody knows who Andy Bashir is, <laughs> and there's and there's no infrastructure to connect him to, right? I mean, Ted Kennedy had no his charisma. own. Had, well, there's no, no charisma. charisma. Yeah, there's no charisma right. either. But you see, you see, you you could say you know, well, Andy Bashir's got that southern that Southern Democrat thing that, you know, that Bill Clinton had, except Bill Clinton had charisma, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, Bill Clinton had the DLC, the Democratic Leadership Council. So he had, right. a, he had infrastructure behind him. He had the it party behind run, him. Right. Yeah, well, he had the party behind him. I mean, I know it was a, a primary. There were other people like Paul Simon that were running in it. Um, yeah, not, not the singer, not the singer. He, he, had, he had Arkansas State <laughs> Troopers behind him. He had Secret Service behind him. Yeah, Jennifer Flowers had, behind him. He had Jennifer Flowers. Or actually, on top of him, but you know, he had he had Paula Jones in front of him. He had uh, yeah, yeah, not not willingly. We should not we should we yes. we should stress not willingly. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, he had he had a establishment structure on which to base that run. Right. He got introduced in the '88. Um, uh, right. uh, convention, the DLC rallied around him. They organized, they had fundraisers, they had a structure underneath them. None of that exists right now no, Joe, in the Democratic Joe, Party. Right. Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin would basically implode that Democratic or it, it, he would he would finally have the, the civil war that we on the right have longed for the Democrats to have. Yep. Yep. Um, so I, but I mean, I'm just it, it, there's really nobody in the party that has the standing to take on Joe Biden in a primary. I mean, it's not going to be Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is <laughs> Bernie Sanders is telling everybody that Joe Biden's failures are only due to Joe Manchin, right? <laughs> I mean, he's he's making Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema out to be the scapegoat. So it's not going to be John, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is what 98 years old or something like that. He's not John Kerry could be, no, uh, God, could report no. for duty. God no. <laughs> Talk about retries. Uh, uh, pothole Pete Buttigieg. You know, you know, and Amy Parnes and is it Kelly Trudeau, I think it is. I can't remember the, the I should really look it up because I feel bad for, for not getting it. It's an interesting article. I don't I don't want to um, disparage the article or the reporting because the reporting is good on this. Um, assuming that this is um, assuming this is, you know, uh, correct. I'll, I'll look up the, the name here in just a second. Uh, Hannah Trudeau. Excuse me, Hannah Trudeau. So now I've got the name right. Amy Parnes and Hannah Trudeau mentioned Pete Buttigieg. But Pete Buttigieg was a mayor. He is now the Secretary of Transportation in 
an administration that has done diddly squat about the supply chain crisis, including the transportation aspects of the supply chain prospects. He was was AWOL for two months. He was AWOL for two months for paternity leave in the middle of a supply chain crisis. And now he's complaining he can't get formula for his, for his adopted kid, which he probably can't. I mean, I, neither can anybody else, but well, he, um, he should just go to his doctor and get samples. He should get samples. Yeah. I mean, and the defense, <laughs> they're going to use the defense Product, production act. I don't know if we talked about that last night, but um, we did uh, brief. You, oh, that's right. You, we did. We did talk about that. Yeah, we did. A, you didn't, you didn't like that idea much. And, and I understand why you don't like that idea much. Um, to me, I knew he had to, it's just slow reactionary and sclerotic. If you were going to do something like that, you should have done that, you know, a year ago. Right. Or at least in October when the New York Times started reporting on it. I mean, right. or January when the Wall Street Journal started reporting on it. I mean, right. this is this is way too little, way too late. You're going to get more formula in just simply from dropping the tariffs and the regulatory um, uh, barriers to European and Canadian-made formula. You're going to solve the problem long before the DPA does anything in this. Yep. Um, where the DPA should be used, though, and we should probably wrap up on this, where the DPA really should be used is on American oil production because the New York Times reported this morning that the Biden administration is finally looking at targeting Russian oil exports for for sanctions to finally cut off the last remaining um, uh, sources of Vladimir Putin's income. And something that we've been asking about for three months, ever since the invasion started. They're finally gonna, they're finally looking at crafting uh, sanctions against Russian oil imports or exports, I should say. And the reason why they hadn't done it up to this point, the New York Times says, is because Joe Biden was concerned about, you know, inflation and the economy and the midterm elections, uh, which is A, pretty craven, but also B, stupid, because you can solve that problem simply by escalating American production. And if you're in the mood to use the Defense Production Act, well, that's actually something that the Defense Production Act is supposed Could to be. actually do, yeah. It's actually, it's actually part of the mission of the DPA, right? Because it is strategic instead, in a time of war. Instead, we are still in the process of canceling lease or pausing leases, which even if you undid the pause, the application process starts over again, and it's another year or two before you can actually act on the leases that were unpaused. That's how well, damaging uh, this whole thing is. Yeah, on it, top it, of that, on top of that, when's the last refinery that we actually um, approved for? Uh, uh, what was years ago? It was years ago. Years and we've ago. got one. You, we've got one closing in because, Houston. In Houston, they're going to close one in Houston. You could use the DPA to keep that open, right? You would think, wouldn't you? Yeah, you could but use no, the DPA to but, keep that open. But no, we're not going to do that. And if you take a net refinery offline, so you've got actually, regardless of the price of oil, regardless of the availability of oil, which, you know, so far we're, we're not, it's not a short, it's not a supply shortage. It's just a high demand right now, boy. Right. But the problem we have is we've got more people wanting to use oil for different things how much how much gas refining capacity do we have is it is it the same based upon the population that we had 30 years ago no or it's gone down it's considerably a, it's gone down considerably and we're going to take another refinery off offline and we're not doing anything to replace that what do you think the cost of gas is going to do when that refinery goes offline it's going to keep going up because you keep, keep going you up. keep restricting Regardless supply and restricting oil right 
You keep restricting and, supply, you keep restricting production, and demand isn't changing. You're going to get higher gas prices. That's so, the way it works. And so, and so when the White House comes out and says, no, it's big oil gouging you, they're going to get the shit kicked out of them because no one is buying this. No. Every, everybody sees what's going on. That's exactly correct. All right, Dwayne, we got to wrap this up. Um, I know that you guys have already pre-taped the Memorial Day show, which is... Um, uh, I want you to talk a little bit about that, but what's coming up on tomorrow's Hugh Hewitt show? Uh, actually, we've got a pretty busy day tomorrow for a Friday. Uh, we have Sonny Bunch doing movies. Uh, Dr. Michael Oren will be on. It's actually his birthday. He will be on uh, uh, from Israel. Michael Shear, the New York Times political or White House reporter, will be on there. Uh, Mike Gallagher, uh, not uh, the radio Mike Gallagher. We're talking about the smart one. Uh, oh, come on, man. Congressman Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin. Our, our colleague Mike Gallagher our uh, colleague, is, 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 is a great guy, I, sm I smart kid, as a whip. Come on, I man. Kid, Sounds I like kid. malarkey to me. Sounds like Joe Biden-esque malarkey to me, man. <laughs> and uh, our uh, our friend Jim Garrity, Garrity the Indispensable, will be on, along with a conversation with Larry Arn. Excellent. That's coming up tomorrow at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, 5 a.m. in God's Time Zone, 3 a.m. on the left coast. And, of course, the um, after show. Uh, tonight and are you going to do a are you going to do one tonight and tomorrow night or are you going to I am I am indeed um, sleep is uh, something that you do when you are no longer amongst yeah. the living uh, I have been I've been told plenty of time to sleep when you're in the ground I guess that's a, that's yes. what I've heard too all right so after shows tonight tomorrow night uh, the um, and Monday again the Monday show is the Monday show the Monday show what Monday show I, I'm sorry. No, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking you've pre-taped the uh, the Memorial Day Memorial show, but that's a week from that's, that's a, a week, week from Monday. From Monday. Yes. My goodness. A week from Monday. I got to look at my calendar again. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was thinking, crud. What 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 did, what did I miss? What's going no, on? no, no. I missed it. But uh, yeah, just keep, keep checking into the universe with for the correct calendar. H u g h i v e r c dot com. The troll free web surfing calendar accurate. Uh, environment for Hugh Hewitt and Dwayne Patterson fans and listeners. I'm one of them. You should be one of them by now. Dwayne, thanks so much for being here and for sticking around. I know it's a little late in the morning for you. Great to have you around, though. You got it. See you guys next week. See you next week and stick around for more from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. I am absolutely delighted and honored to introduce back to the Ed Morrissey Show uh, one of my one of my favorite figures in politics, media commentary, uh, Bernie Goldberg, who is the author of the seminal book Bias, uh, which is still available, by the way. So go out and buy it if you haven't done it. He is now the proprietor of a, a very successful Substack, sub uh, BernardGoldberg.substack.com. And he's just launching, by the way, a, a new podcast at, uh, at this uh, Substack, and it's called the No BS Zone. Uh, Bernie, so good to talk to you again. You know, after that introduction, I'm going to say thanks for having me. I got to go. <laughs> it can't get any better than that. <laughs> well, we're going to make you stick around for a little. You, 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 now that now that see, I paid up front, and now you now you got to give me a few minutes uh, after after Fair that. Enough. Fair <laughs> enough. By so, the way, you say, you say a podcast. I am so untechy. Let me make clear what I do, and then you tell me what, how, how we define it in 21st century terms. 
I write a column. I do an audio report. I answer questions and I actually answer them from people who write in and send in questions. And we just started this week a video 15-minute interview between the webmaster and me. I don't know if it's a podcast or what it is. It, I, I'm a journalist and I write about and I talk about politics, the media, and a lot about the American culture and how it's changing. And in my view, not for the better. Right. Uh, but can I tell you, Ed, what I don't do? Because this is very important. I don't want to waste anybody's time on coming to my website if this is a problem for you. Cable news panders to the audience. Cable news tells the viewer precisely what the viewer wants to hear. The, the, the business model is simple. Get them angry, make them want to come back for more, but never surprise them with your opinions, never make them think, never disagree with what their opinions are. Sometimes the people who come to my website, I think more than sometimes will agree with me. Sometimes they won't, but I will never pander to the audience. I will never hold my finger up to the wind and say, I got to tell the people what they already believe. Otherwise they won't like me. If you want that, go to cable news. Right. Because I have too much respect for the people who come to me to pander to them. Anyway, that's my spiel and I am all yours. Well, and, and Bernie, I mean, I think that that just makes you a person of integrity, right? A, a reporter and a, and a, and a host, a columnist, an author uh, of integrity. And I think that your entire career has demonstrated that. And I mean, this is, you've been in, you, you've been on, on television in a number of different ways. I mean, you've been a, uh, on, you know, on the beat reporter, you've been, um, show host or show co-host. I mean, so you know the ins and outs of this. And I think that, you know, your career, and not just you, I mean, I, I don't want to sell everybody short here. There's a number of people whose careers really speak for their integrity. Even if I disagree with them, even if I think they get things wrong from time to time, there's still people of integrity and there's at least trying to be people of integrity. We're all, you know, we all have, you know, we all fall short from time to time. But, um, but I agree with you in the main um, on on cable media. And I would say maybe even, maybe even more so maybe it's that, that may be more broadly applied to media in general, because most of the stuff that we see is really being micro targeted in, exactly. in a sense to, to the people who, you know, singing to the choir, you're basically singing to the choir. It, uh, it, is, it is more than cable. You're right. The New York times, the, the Bible, the Bible of, you know, when the New York times, put something on page one that gives permission to, to NBC, CBS and ABC and everybody else. Oh, now we can go with the story and more and more because they're subscription based. They're not offending their audience either. <laughs> they make sure that that their opinion pieces coincide with the the views that are being brought to the to the New York Times. Right. So you're right. You're right. Ed. It's it's not only cable. They they just annoy me more than most. But, <laughs> but but it's not only cable. I think cable is more designed for it, though. Right. I mean, I think what, we're, what you're seeing on in broader media is the evolution of these 
journalistic institutions, um, which always had biases. I mean, this is something you cover in, in, in your book, bias. Um, uh, always had biases, but have really become drivers of echo chambers over over the years. I think exactly. cable media has just always been structured that way. It's always it's always been structured around that, and um, with, with a few exceptions, it's really about branding. It's really about it's really about um, targeting specific audiences and just feeding them what they want to hear. People say that about Fox News, but it's also equally true of MSNBC. It's it's equally true of CNN. Uh, and, uh, and when you have, I, I don't know if you saw this exchange with Brian Stelter and a media critic, um, Brian Stelter was really happy to get this I guy on to talk about Fox news. But when he started talking about CNN, all of a sudden Brian Stelter was a little unhappy. By the way, I did see it. And that freshman who asked the question and I, I can't tick off as well as he did. He, you know, his point was, yeah, you talk about Fox news, but let's talk about this information. And then he, he just ticked off one thing after another, after another, that was indisputable that CNN and, and a lot of the main, the so-called mainstream media got wrong. And Brian Stelter, who, who is a media analyst, you think might say, you make a good point and let's talk about it. But instead he didn't want to talk about it at all. And, that kid deserves a medal. He's, he's a, when I was a freshman in college, I was still spitting on myself. I mean, you know, I, I was a dummy and this kid nailed it. I, I, I wish I could remember all the things, all, the whole list of things he, he outlined for Stelter, uh, but he, he nailed it. And this information, if you're gonna point fingers at Fox and that's fine with me, then CNN doesn't get off the hook. Then don't let them off the hook. Right, right, exactly. Uh, and I don't. In a sense, Ed, in a sense, CNN is worse. I'll tell you why. Fox opinion shows I could do without. I could do without CNN opinion shows and I could do without MSNBC opinion shows. Not because they their opinions, not because one is liberal and one is conservative. That's fine with me. But because I don't think they're honest opinions. I, I think they're designed in that in that silo of opinion whereby if you're fox you don't criticize donald trump if you're cnn you don't do anything but criticize donald trump so it, it isn't that their their opinions it's it's that i can't trust their opinions right you know what i mean i can't trust their opinions but here's why cnn arguably is worse they pretend to be a news operation Fox knows what it is and doesn't hide the fact of what it is. I think their hard news reporters are very good, by the way. Right. Uh, very good. Uh, but CNN pretends that they're news all the time. They're not. And that's why, in, in, in a sense, in, a, in a, an important sense, to me anyway, they're worse than Fox. MSNBC is in a class all by itself. We, you know, there's... Right. I, I would argue that they're that they're probably at the same level as Fox. They they I mean I, I sat on a this is years ago I sat on a, a panel with um, oh I can't remember his name Phil something he was the president of MSNBC I don't think he's there any longer um, Phil, Phil Griffin yeah Phil Griffin right and uh, this actually was in Jerusalem of all places right it was at the uh, it was at the presidential conferences that they used to have so I was there with him and and uh, the editor in chief of Haaretz. 
and we were talking about media and branding and and he explicitly said no we are, we want to we want to brand ourselves as the progressive media outlet where you go for progressive you know the progressive takes on news and stuff like that and I, you know, I, I i respect that because it's honest um it's honest exactly yeah exactly so cnn is less than i i haven't heard cnn say we're the place you go if you want the liberal take on on news nope they'll never admit it they'll right. never admit it so yeah, I, I completely hear you on that. And um, but then that's the reason why I think you're starting to see a lot more interest in Substack and 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 outfits like Substack, right? Where where it's uh, subscription driven to a large extent. Um, I've been a subscriber to your feed ever since I think it started, um, and I enjoy reading it. I enjoy reading it every single day. I go through it and go uh, almost every single day, and um, which is one of the reasons why I saw that um, you've got this new. Um, series that's going to be called the no, the new the no bs on which i would call a podcast just because it's there's all sorts of different ways that you can do that it's just it's just shorthand for it um but i mean that gives you it certainly it, it doesn't give you the same level of security as getting it's <laughs> getting a check from from you know a, a a corporate level of um of employment but it does give you a lot more freedom it gives you a lot more um opening to find your own audience and to do what you just said at the beginning of uh, the beginning of this conversation, which is to say, I'm going to tell you the way I see things. If you, uh, I'm not going to pander to you. You don't need to because you're doing your own and, thing. But I'm not saying it, and, and you're not suggesting that I'm saying. I know that. I'm not saying I'm always right. These right. are my, yeah. they're my honest opinions. Now, if, if like my honest opinion is that. The Democrats are going to take a, a shellacking in November, okay? But I'm aware that this is April, and a lot can happen between April and November. But but I, I've just written a piece that'll be up soon. Uh, I think it may have been, it just went up today, actually, uh, about how this time around, it's not only the economy stupid. This time around, it's also the culture. And there are many things happening in the culture, whether it's children, five-year-old children being taught about uh, gender equity and sex orientation and all that, uh, whether it's about what has happened to this country because of uncontrollable immigration, whether it's parents being upset that their kids are being taught that they're oppressors or the oppressed simply because of the color of their skin, uh, whether it's crime and and while the president talks about guns and he's obsessed with guns, he doesn't talk about democratic progressive district attorneys that just let people out. Um, these are the things I'm interested in, but I'm not saying I have 100%, you know, I have wisdom locked up. Maybe I got something wrong right. and people can, can respond and give me their opinions but they're my honest opinions based on, as you suggested earlier, based on many, many, I don't want to do too many many's here, years as a working journalist. Right. In, other words, in other words, I didn't come to this as somebody who said, you know, I got opinions. I got opinions. I could, I, well, if he can give an opinion, why can't I give an opinion? I was covering hard news for a long time. And I learned in hard news, you give, two sides or more than two sides and an opinion i may come down more often than not on the conservative side i i, I will readily cop to that 
but I think about the other side before I come to my conclusion. Yeah. And that's important. And I'm speaking to a guy, you're speaking to a guy, I should say, Bernie, who did come to the business that way. I had opinions. I knew that I could write. And I thought, why am I, why don't I try dipping into this market and see what I could do? And, and it, and it worked. Yeah, uh, I'm but, not, I'm not saying my way was the only way. No, to no, 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 I, no, no. I, I totally get that. What I'm saying is that when you cover hard news for, you know, my first assignment was covering the Lincoln administration. You know, I, 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 Abe and I hit it off. I mean, we were, you know. How, how was the play up to the ad lib? I just want to know, up to that ad lib from uh, John Wilkes Booth, how was the play going, uh, My American Cousin? Well, I, I said I said to Mrs. Lincoln, then funny you should ask, I said, besides that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the show? Uh, but, but my point is that this is one way to go. If you cover hard news, you, right. you start to think in a certain way. I, well, I'm not. Let, let me tell you who I'm not. I'm not Sean Hannity. Right. I'm not. I'm not Tucker Carlson. You know. I I I give both sides in my head. I give both sides a fair shake, and then I come to an opinion, which again, more often than not, is a conservative opinion. You know, I, I think this is a really great point, and it's another reason why I think that there's really distinctions between different types of journalists and different types of opinionators for for a, a lack of a better word i mean obviously i'm i'm coming out of more of a pure opinion thing but i've been a news junkie since i was a kid so i mean i've been consuming this uh, a lot and i also have a sense of my own you know fallibility so like you you know for different reasons i came to it differently but i always try to anticipate what the what the counter argument is and try to yeah. give it some weight so exactly. that I so I can make a better argument, right? Just so that I'm just not just ranting. Um, and um, you know, and, and again, my, that's precisely my point. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the one of the big elements in that, Bernie, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is a sense of detachment, right? Which is to not marry yourself to a particular figure or a particular, um, you know, a, one particular uh, tribe, if you will, so that you can be more honest and be a little bit more detached and have a little bit better vision as to what reality actually is. And I think as a hard, no, as a hard journalism, as somebody with that much experience in hard journalism knows that, or at least they used to, um, maybe not so much today, but certainly, you know, in the era that, that you were doing that, you, you realize that. And one of the things I always tell people is if you want to know how to approach politics as a, as, as a commentator, um, Make sure you have Psalm 146, verse 3, <laughs> firmly planted in your head, because it's great advice. Put not your trust in princes. <laughs> even, if you're, even if you're not a believer, that's really good advice. And, um, and I think too many people now, including some folks that you've mentioned and some folks that you've mentioned by extension, really put their trust in, in princes, put their trust in, in tribes, and it shows. And it really uh, creates a... Uh, a, a lot poorer quality of public discourse as a result. You're absolutely right. Let me let me pick up on that. Even opinion has to be fair. Right. Even we know that hard news has to be fair, but even opinion has to be fair. So if you're going to criticize, let's do real names. If you're going to criticize Donald Trump for doing something, and then Joe Biden does the same thing and you make believe it didn't happen. That's not honest. And 
if you're going to criticize Joe Biden for doing something, but you're not going to criticize Donald Trump for doing the same thing or something close to the same thing. That's not honest. And that's where people have hooked up with princes and princesses instead of with philosophy, with principles. Uh, and and that's, that's why I'm not a fan of opinion journalism today, because as I say, even opinion journalism has to be honest. And I don't think it's honest when you pretend that this guy is bad all the time and your guy is good all the time. And when your guy does the same thing that the other guy did, you, you just ignore it. And real life example, CNN, and I, and I hinted at this earlier, CNN cannot get enough of bashing Donald Trump. There's a reason for this. And Fox can't get enough of making believe Donald Trump isn't a bad guy at all. And that's because, and this gets back to what we were talking about earlier, that's because cable news isn't a journalism model. It's, right. a, business, it's a business model. And it's a, it's a brilliant business model. Give the customer what he wants or what she wants. Never offend the customer. Well, that, that may be good for business. Actually, it's not good for business because people are fleeing even cable news in, in you know, record numbers. I, I put out a tweet recently and I said, I'm confused. If almost nobody is watching CNN right now, why do they want to pay to see more of it? <laughs> You weren't confused. You were. You weren't confused. CNN was confused. I couldn't. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I couldn't figure that out. And so even this pandering, even pandering doesn't work. CNN to be successful needs Donald Trump out there every day doing something outrageous. And Fox needs Joe Biden not being able to finish a sentence. Yeah. This is what I this is what I don't like about it. Yep. You, I don't. I'm not a fan of Joe Biden, but I'm not a fan of Donald Trump either. Uh, and, we're in the same spot. <laughs> you yeah, and I are and, in the same spot. And 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 while I'm like a lot of other people who say it's not Donald Trump's policy so much as Donald Trump himself. You know why I'm. You know why I don't like Donald Trump. And here's where I risk losing a part of your audience. But bear with me. I, because my, my, my complaint with Donald Trump, besides the fact that he's dishonest and, and an egomaniac and uh, vindictive to a point that that's not good, you know, my problem with Donald Trump is all the harm he's done to the Republican Party. Yeah. Does anybody think, does anybody out there think that people voted for Joe Biden because they said, oh, he's a statesman. He's, he's a brilliant, charismatic leader who has great ideas. No, 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 no. They voted for Joe Biden because he wasn't Donald Trump. So everything conservatives complain about every day about what Joe Biden is doing, whether it's the Supreme Court nominee who's going to be a, a, a justice in a few months, or whether it's his progressive agenda. Every time they complain, I wish they would just consider who, who, who can you thank for that? Donald Trump, because if Donald Trump wasn't so toxic, if he didn't offend a crucial block of the audience, and you've written about this, you know, the crucial block are those independents in swing states. Yep. 
he didn't if he didn't lose them in 2020 after he won them over in 2016 he lost them and he enabled joe biden to become president of the united states and do all the things conservatives don't like yep that's my problem with donald trump i we don't disagree at all <laughs> we don't disagree at all and you've said it you've said it very well um i i, I never trusted donald trump uh, i liked the policies but i i could see in that final year that he just didn't know how to scale down the chaos in in the midst of exactly. a of a, of a crisis and uh he threw away whatever whatever little trust he had he threw it he threw it away in that in all that chaos in 2020 during COVID 19 when he should have been projecting calm leadership exactly. um, you know exactly. yeah exactly. nobody cared about the mean tweets nobody really nobody cared about the mean tweets it was it was all the rest of the craziness while people were freaking out that that un, that rattled them and that's the reason why we got Joe Biden. So I'm, I'm completely with you on that. Now, now that's something that I think that you talk about, right, with John Daly on your premiere of the No BS Zone, right? Yes. Yes, that was that was my point. Uh, when, when I used to talk about Donald, by the way, I don't bring up Donald Trump. When I was on Fox, even after O'Reilly, uh, I'd be asked about Donald Trump and I'd give him an honest opinion. And a lot of people watching would would light up social media and light me up because of, of what I said. And I said to Daly, who's the webmaster, a very bright guy, I said, John, whenever I mention the name Donald Trump, there's a lot of reaction. So if we're going to try something new to see if it works, this video thing, let's talk about Donald Trump. And again, my point wasn't to bash Donald Trump. My point was to say, if you like conservative values, if you think Judge Jackson, who will soon be Justice Jackson, was not your choice of a, a nominee, well, it didn't just happen. The Senate was able to vote for, for Judge Jackson and because Donald Trump went to Georgia and, and instead of talking about the two Republicans running he talked about how the election was rigged and stolen in 2020 and how people shouldn't even go out to the polls because it was rigged. Right. That was, yes, it, fundamentally what he, what he was saying. And, and his most loyal fans sat home, two progressive Democrats in Georgia, right? In Georgia, progressive Democrats win. And that's why Judge Jackson was able to be both nominated and confirmed. Who are you going to blame for that? You're going to blame Joe Biden for picking somebody he wants? No, you blame Donald Trump for for losing the Senate after he lost the House and the White House. By the way, right? Indeed. So that's that's the. I mean, this is the type of you know honest commentary um, and you know commentary with integrity that you're going to get at that you've always gotten. By the way, with with Bernie Goldberg, BernardGoldberg.substack.com is where you find all of this. You should subscribe. I mean, the 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 subscription cost is minimal here. You should be subscribing to this anyway. The first episode of the No BS Zone is actually in the clear. You can go and go over there right now, BernardGoldberg.substack.com, and you can click over to it and and uh, watch the uh, watch the interview. And, and enjoy it and then sign up for it um, because uh, it's worth it. And if you, again, you know, Bernie's written a lot of really great books, but you got to start with bias because that is sort of like the urtext for 
media criticism in um, in the I, I don't know what you call this the 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 digital age I guess we can call it now and um, and certainly was inspiration to many many people myself included and uh, Bernie yeah, I'm going to think and you wrote an update. I did. Paperback edition. Can I make one point about the difference? Yeah. between I wrote bias, let's call it 20 years ago to use round numbers. And I and my main point, one of my main points was that my conservative friends, there are no conspiracies. Dan Rather, <laughs> Dan Rather never summoned his top lieutenants into a dark room, pull the shades, douse the lights, and said, how are we going to screw those Republicans today? It didn't happen that way. There was no conspiracy. It was the result of a bunch of liberals getting together and bias resulted, okay? Yep. It's not true anymore. Now there is a conspiracy. Now people do come into the office in the morning and say, if they're liberals, how are we going to screw those Republicans today? And, and on the tiny fraction of mainstream media like Fox that's conservative, they come in and they say, let's look for it. Joe Biden stuttered yesterday. So let's do 10 minutes on that, you know. Uh, but the, the big difference, Ed, is that there was no conspiracy back then. It was just the product of groupthink. You put too many liberals in the newsroom, you're going to get liberal bias. Right. Now they do consciously say, how are we going to get the other side? Because that's the business model. That's how we keep our people happy. You know, Bernie, I'm not even sure you can call it conspiracy. I think it's really just a business model. I don't even, I mean, conspiracy to me sort of says, oh, this is a secret. I'm not even sure it's, it's a secret, secret any longer. Anymore. You're right. Yeah, good point. Good point. So, well, you can find out more good points at bernardgoldberg.substack.com. Are you on Twitter anymore, Bernie? Yes, technically, but I'm not one of those guys who goes on Twitter and says, you know, I had pizza today and it was really good. I, no, I can't. shoot me if I ever if I ever do that and you don't shoot me, I will shoot you. But I, I did tweet during the 2020 election, and I said, and this got like a lot of reaction. I heard from people I went to school with along, you know, who I haven't heard from in years. I said Donald Trump is a detestable human being. And I hope he wins in a landslide. <laughs> and and what I meant by the detestable part, he, he's just too dishonest for my taste. He right. Just, but I hope I wanted. I sat out the presidential election. I, I sat it out. Okay. But I wanted him to win. Because, I wanted his team to win, meaning the Republican Party to win. Right. Uh, but. Aside from an occasional witty comment like like that, uh, I'm not on Twitter on a regular basis. That just means every, that, every now and then, every now and then, but only every now and then. Well, that just means Bernie that they got to go over to Substack to your Substack account to get to get all of your uh, intellect and wit there, and that's where they should go. So again, I'll just promote it one more time. BernardGoldberg.substack.com is where you want to go for that. And congratulations on the launch of the new uh, No BS Zone series. And I can't wait to watch this one. I haven't watched the first one yet, but I can't wait to watch the rest of them either. Good. Thank you, Ed. And it's a pleasure seeing you again. Actually, not seeing you again, but talking to you again. Because we've never actually seen each other up close and impersonal. But, uh, but 
this is this is a pleasure for me and and thanks for inviting me on well it's a pleasure for me too sir and uh, again hopefully we get a chance to uh meet in person at some point and um and and have a few more laughs but thank you so much for coming on my podcast uh, to talk about these issues today bernie I'd be glad to do it again if you ever want me on. I would. You will be hearing from me again. And uh, so that's a promise to uh, viewers. We'll get him back on again. Stay tuned for more from the Ed Morrissey Show. Hey, folks. This is Ed Morrissey here. I wanted to say thank you for watching or listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. If you like what you watch or see, please be sure to subscribe to the channel on which you're watching or, or listening to this, either YouTube or Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Rumble, Town Hall Media Player. Be sure to subscribe at any and all of those places so that you can find out when the next Ed Morrissey Show podcast will be dropping. Thanks again and have a great week.